Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City-based saxophonist Brad Gregory. He was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and was taught by G. Gordon Nicholson and was heavily influenced by many of the great Edmonton musicians such as P.J. Perry and Tommy Banks. He went on to the University of North Texas and was a member of the famed One O'Clock Lab Band. Then it was on to the Houston Jazz Orchestra, working in New York City as a professional musician, and then he began a full-time career in the plastics industry and relocated his family to Kansas City. He is a fixture of the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra, the Boulevard Big Band, and other outfits. He's got great stories. He digs Kansas City. So please get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Let's start off here. I know you had a big show last night. I just kind of want to begin with any recordings that might be on the horizon or anything that people can pick up from you. Uh, I actually, with uh, trumpeter Trent Austin, I just did a recording with pianist and vocalist Jackie Myers at uh, Black Dolphin, and that's probably pretty close to coming out uh, in the next few months or so. Uh, that immediately is the only thing I can advise you of. Let's go back to, before we get into kind of Kansas City and what's going on here, let's go back to the beginning of your life. You were born and raised in Edmonton, Canada. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, yep. Alberta. And so talk to me a little bit about your childhood and how you got into jazz. Well, you know, how I got into jazz was that I was fortunate enough to have an older brother who uh, in grade seven, which is the start of junior high in, in Canada, he took band and he brought his saxophone home uh, to practice it from school. And I would always say, can I, can I try? Can I play? Can I do it? And so I would play on his. And, uh, you know, I started to learn to play it just from him helping me. And then uh, before I, I even got to grade seven, my parents got me a saxophone. So uh, my brother played tenor and I played alto. And so I was learning it at school. And then as I progressed, I started to play in a community concert band. And then they had a what they called a stage band. And so that's where I started playing. And that's where I started meeting people and kind of developing. So that's kind of how it began for me. So what about jazz music albums you were listening to in the beginning? Wow. I was very, very fortunate as a young man. There was a, a society called the Edmonton Jazz Society. And so not only did we have a lot of really well-known Canadian artists that played in Edmonton, some of which were from Edmonton, um, and in particular I'm thinking of P.J. Perry, who's won numerous Junos, uh, a tremendous saxophonist from Edmonton, who played in Toronto and Vancouver and, and all over Canada, really. So I got to hear him a lot as a young man, but I also got to hear Phil Woods. I got to hear Woody Shaw. I got to hear uh, Hadley Callaman. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. Gary Bartz. They would bring in these great jazz musicians from New York and, and all over and the West Coast that would play Julian Priester. I'm just trying to think of some of the, the other amazing musicians that I got to hear as a kid. And so... I fell in love with jazz, and uh, that, that, to me, was one of the greatest things, was just the opportunity to be able to go as a young musician and hear the best professionals in the world. Did you always want to be a musician? Was that the thing that was going to happen for you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I always wanted to be a musician. I, I kind of decided versus other alternatives that that's what I would do. Uh, I, my teacher in Edmonton was a Berkeley grad, 
And in the, those days, I said, well, where should I go to school? And he said, well, you know, the two schools in those days were Berkeley School of Music in Boston and North Texas in Denton, Texas. And uh, being that I had to pay my own way, I went the cheaper school, which was North Texas, and certainly never regretted that. While you were there, you were a part of the very famous and well-known One O'Clock Lab Band. That had to be a great honor. Mm-hmm. You know, it was great. It was kind of a little overwhelming because uh, I was in the 2 o'clock band as a freshman, and that was overwhelming. And then being in the 1 o'clock as a sophomore was uh, not common. Most of the, my peers were grad students and older people, so it was uh, kind, of a, kind of a reach in a, on a social level for me to be able to hang out with these older, cooler guys than, than you know, what my age was, that's for sure. So you made your way to the Houston Jazz Orchestra. What was that experience like? Well, that was really fun. Uh, at the time, my my ex-wife was uh, considering going to chiropractic school, and so we moved down to Houston for to establish residency just so the school would be a lot cheaper, uh, and we moved there from, from living in New Jersey. It was just really fun, and, and some of the memorable experiences were certainly getting to play with Dennis Dotson, incredible trumpet player had been with Woody Herman and done many, many different things. So he was great. And there were, Houston was loaded with a lot of great musicians. So that was, was a lot of fun. Now, it was nothing like the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra, where it was, you know, a society or a, a, a non-profit run organization. Uh, the Houston Jazz Orchestra was more just a band of all the, the best guys in Houston. It was a lot of fun. It- yeah, absolutely. You also were in New York City as a professional jazz musician. What was, yeah, what was that I, whole period like? Man, well, that's very scary. Uh, needless to say, when you're in New York City, you're dealing with the best players anywhere. And there, I mean, everybody there was good. Uh, so the quality of, of the musicianship was really great. And uh, it, it just was something that it was what I needed to do to really realize that that maybe wasn't for me. The uh, being a musician wasn't the avenue I was going to take. I uh, I was a Canadian citizen in the beginning, so I really couldn't quote unquote work. So going with Stan Kenton or Woody Herman or any of those things would not have been an option for me because I wasn't legal to work. So so it was just kind of uh, playing a lot of things. I had my own group there, uh, really fun four horn group because. Arranging has always been one of my uh, my fun hobbies to do, and so it was just really fun to meet and play with great musicians. And of course, you could go to Sweet Basil at the time, Seventh uh, Avenue South, the Vanguard. I mean, there were so many incredible jazz clubs there in the early '80s. So it was a, a lot of fun. You get a full time gig here in Kansas City in the plastics industry and relocate here. Yes. Talk to me about that move and kind of what's happened since. Well, I actually started working for the same plastics company when I was in in New Jersey. Uh, I was just, you know, trying to get back on the scene after leaving Houston, and I just needed a, to start a job. And uh, so I, I found a plastics factory that was very close to where I lived. And, uh, you know, it had a musician's favorite three words, no experience necessary. So uh-huh. I started working in the plant, and after a while I I you know, worked my way up. I became a supervisor, and then uh, ultimately, after several years, I, I became a plant manager. And, and the company moved me back to Dallas, which was, in general, where I went to college. So that was was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, my 
second wife is from Kansas City, and so after a certain period of time, I had an opportunity where I could, we could move here, and her parents are here, so we moved from Kansas City, and I and or to Kansas City, and I've continued to work for the same company ever since. I think it'll be 39 years in uh, this summer. So uh, I've continued to do that, but the beauty of Kansas City was all the great opportunity to play. Uh, even though I have a full-time job. I'm, I'm one of many, many guys that do that. And, you know, speaking of being in Kansas City and having gigs, you're a part of the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra. You had your big mm-hmm. holiday show last night. And you're also a part of other outfits, like the Brad Gregory uh, Sextet, um, yes. uh-huh. the Boulevard Big Band. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, just give me an idea of what you're doing and how all that's parlaying out for you. Well, you know, it's just been an interesting, since I got here in 2002, I arrived on a Saturday and I, I played in Jack Taylor's new vintage big band at a rehearsal the very next day. So it just seems like I moved to Kansas City and there have just been a myriad of opportunities to play. Well, I played with Jack Taylor's band at a concert at Unity uh uh, on the plaza, and there were two bands playing that day. The other band was Mike McGraw's Boulevard Big Band, and I, Mike heard me, and I then started playing with Boulevard Big Band, and that's a band I've played with since 2002. Uh, and so, you know, from there, I just kept playing and doing a few other things, and I was really trying to, to lay low because you know, I really didn't, with working full-time and with other things, I really didn't want to fill up my schedule with working music any any more than was manageable, uh, but an opportunity came up um, to play with the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra, and uh, and that was something I, I really wanted to do. Number one because I could get to know Carrie Strayer. Number two because I really liked Jim Mayer and he was the director of the band, and Dave Shale, who's my best friend, was the lead alto player, and it was just like a lot of things that made sense for me to to want to to get involved with that band. So I started playing in that band. I still was trying to keep out of the scene as much as possible simply because I just, you know, when you're working full-time, I, you know, I, I value my, my free time and my margins. Uh, but I had a very good friend who lived here in Kansas City that was a college classmate of mine, a bassist named Bob Bowman. And we had always talked about, yeah, Bob, when I retire, we're going to play. We're going to play. When I retire, we'll do this. And... Um, after the loss of his wife, Sandra, Bob kind of sat me down and, and really said, you know, there's no, you don't know about tomorrow. You don't know what it is. You need to start playing. And so um, he did a couple of things that were really fun. We created this uh, University of North Texas reunion band with another classmate of mine, trumpet, trumpeter Mike Steinell, who was the, is the, uh, was a professor at North Texas at the time and a classmate of mine, and he was from the uh, Marion, Kansas, and so he would be in the area on Thanksgiving, and so we started to play, and I would write a few charts, put a few things together so we would have music to do, and that was really what led to the birth of Brad Gregory's Sextet. Uh, I started writing music for Three Horns, and we began playing at Westport Coffee House once a month, something that we've been doing now for several years. And so that really kind of led to the birth of that group. Um, And then the second thing that we started was Kansas City Reads and Rhythm, which is basically the saxophone section from the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra, along with our rhythm section, playing 
I would describe it as super sax kind of music. Um, music for five saxophones and rhythm sections. And so uh, that's another entity now as I get a little bit closer to retirement. I'm going to look at, at doing a lot more with that because that's kind of a unique group. You really you really don't see anything like that, Joel, uh, anywhere. So, yeah, it's just been a bunch of different things. And uh, and like I said, I owe a lot to Bob because he, he invited me to play in his little band called Bodog. And he really he really kind of let me music direct it for a, a, a period of time. And that's where I started to realize that, A, I wanted to play, and B, I wanted to lead my own groups. Just being able to play the music I love playing is the reason I do this. So what do you love the best about Kansas City? Oh, man, the people, by far. The people, the history, um, there's just, this is just a great, a great place to live. It's a great place to be. It's a, you know, we have all the amenities of, of every big city anywhere in America, but we don't have a near any of the big problems. And uh, so I, I don't know. I always describe Kansas City as kind of like Goldilocks. Not too big, not too small. Everything's just right. Um, yeah. And the music scene here, I mean, it's obviously it's historic, and that's really great. Uh, but it's the people. I mean, we just, we're loaded with not only great talent, but great people. Uh, people here don't seem to have that competitiveness that, that you know, that, that I want to call it cutthroat because that's maybe a little too much, but, but simply that people here are, are each other's biggest fans. I mean, I never thought I would say my best friends are saxophone players because that's, you know, you could say, well, that's your competition. Um, but that's one of the things that makes the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra great. Not only are they good musicians, they're like family. And uh, traveling to Europe a couple of years ago, I think, was really uh, a bonding kind of thing for that group where, where just the close personal ties, the relationships they have, it really makes it a much, much better experience. And, uh, and I mean, I think that the word is obviously getting out because, I mean, we have some world-class people that have moved here. I mean, David Valdez, Chuck McKinnon, Brandon Wilkins, uh, Adam Larson. I mean, this, this is like a superstar. These guys are, are amazing, and they've chosen Kansas City as where they want to be, and I think that that's just making this scene even better. And if I've missed people like uh, Trent Austin and a few other people like that, my apologies. But, I mean, that's the level of people that are moving here. So everything's going to come down to this. Everyone has their version or perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans. Yeah. But you know yourself best. Who do you think you are? Wow. I think I serve a certain role. I, I think I'm a, an influencer for the positive. Uh, I am, by my very nature, an encourager. By my very nature, uh, I'm a relationship kind of extroverted person. And so I just think that's, that's kind of my role. Maybe, maybe it's uh, to influence for the positive. Maybe it's building relationships, uh, helping promote the scene. I mean, I'm not from here, but this is where I want to be. It's where I love being and where I never want to leave. So I don't know if that's a role, Joe, but that's how I would describe myself. I like it. That's a triumphant way to wrap everything up. Brad, thanks for taking time out. Thanks for what you do for Kansas City Jazz. I've always enjoyed you live. So, again, thank you, and I appreciate it. Hey, you have a great day, Joe, and thanks again. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Edmonton, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Brad for his time, music, and his stories. 
If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.